The views in this podcast are the participants' own and are not the views of their respective companies. Welcome to Aerox The Legacy Life, the podcast asking, what does a career in runoff insurance or reinsurance actually look like? I'm your host, Katie Reynolds, and today we are joined by Richard Burroughs, Principal Associate at Waitman's LLP. Thank you so much for joining us today, Richard. I wanted to give some background before we dive in. Richard is very involved with Erla YPG. And if you're unfamiliar with that organization, it's the Insurance and Reinsurance Legacy Association and their Young Professionals Group. Richard and I have worked on several projects together in our respective roles through AROC and Erla, and I'm very excited to have him here today. So Richard, why don't you just tell us a bit about your role? What do you actually do in your position at Waitman's? Thanks, Katie. Uh, Yeah, as you've mentioned already, I'm a principal associate in our industrial disease team. So Waitman's, by way of background, is a a national firm in the UK. and We've got offices right across the UK from Glasgow to Liverpool, Manchester, London and and other big cities. I'm based in our Liverpool office. In my role, I uh, handle a caseload of litigated claims for various different industrial diseases. My client base is predominantly claims handlers for runoff insurers. I still do some work in the live insurance market and for large corporates who self-fund their claims. But the majority of my work is in the the, the runoff sector. And so I'm handling claims where the proceedings have been issued out of the court already. So mainly due to the, the nature of industrial disease claims and the focus on asbestos litigation at the moment, a lot of these claims have been issued out of the Royal Courts of Justice in London, and they tend to be of quite high value. So I have a caseload of those. I make sure that our client complies with the relevant case management directions, which are set by the court. So that can include things like exchange of witness evidence, preparing documents for disclosure, and then leading up to either preparation for trial or preparation for an assessment of damages hearing to decide what damages should be awarded to the claimants of those claims. And so as well as that role, I'm also heavily involved in business development for Waitman's. So it's through part of this, Casey, that I've worked with you, working closely uh, with AROC, which is the counterpart, as you, as you mentioned, to Erla in the UK. And I help organise Waitman's involvement with Erla events. So making sure that we have representatives from Waitman's at all the different events which Erla organise uh, and making sure that we really take advantage of, of what Erla has to offer. I also deliver presentations and training quite regularly to current and potential clients and that can cover a wide range of issues whether that be developments in insurance litigation in the UK or something which I've got a particular interest in which is emerging trends and and risks which are are appearing on the horizon in the market and I think that's where I've really benefited from working with UKT and the people at AROC is that a lot of the information that we gather in the UK comes from what's happening in the US market. So it's been an invaluable insight for me to to work with you and AROC to see what's happening on the other side of the Atlantic. And then outside of my legal role, I'm actually the chairman of our Liverpool office, uh, CSR and Social Committee. I'm I'm head of the the CSR strands. So CSR is Corporate Social Responsibility. uh, And there's two other chairmen as well as myself. But I help to organise Waitman's CSR activities And we have a a charity which is local to our office, the the Glasbridge Cancer Charity, which we organise activities to raise funds for. And we encourage our staff to take part in those. So coming up this year, we've got quite a a busy year. We've got a a charity skydive in September. Oh, Um, no. (laughs) I'm organising that one, but I'm not actually doing that. Uh (laughs) I'm I'm safely staying on the ground. But I'm taking part in, there's a a challenge in the UK called the, the Three Peaks Challenge. 
and in 24 hours, it's it sort of times, you have to go up the highest peak in Scotland, the highest peak in England, and the highest peak in Wales. I'm obviously driving between them, so I'm taking part in that, so that's much more uh, my sort of thing. And then I'm actually taking part in London Marathon in October. So, oh, nice. um, so yeah, so no, um, I, I enjoy that probably uh, just as much as my actual uh, legal role. Uh, and it's good to get everyone involved with things like that. And um, so, so yeah, so that's my my role at Wheatman's in a, in a nutshell. Yeah. And for anyone who is interested in watching the development of different trends in insurance claims in the UK, definitely check out Richard's LinkedIn. He is always posting very interesting things. I've learned so much about hearing loss claims <laughs> from your, from <laughs> your postings. So definitely check that out. Have you always been interested in industrial disease and things like that? Or is that something that developed while you were at Waitman's? Or is that something you just discovered over time? Because I know that... I- that's a favorite of yours, I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, well, yeah, bizarrely, it was only really when I came across it on my training contract that I, I sort of became interested in it. I never really had my heart set on a particular area of law. When I was studying at university, I sort of just tried to keep an open mind. And I studied such a wide range of modules that there was so much to, to, to pick from, really. So I just thought, you know, find out. And also, I think studying law academically is very different to what it's like in practice. Sort of kept an open mind in, in, in that perspective. I did a period of two years whilst I was waiting for the start of my training contract in our employment team. And I, I found that fascinating. That was that was really interesting. It was, you know, employment law is something that everyone can relate to. You know, every, pretty much everyone has a job. So you know a lot of terminology naturally anyway. So I found that really interesting. And then my first seat on my training contract when I started that was in commercial insurance. And I remember seeing that title for the first time. I thought, what exactly is it? You know, I thought, is it going just going through insurance policies? Is it writing insurance policies? I I wasn't really sure. And I actually really enjoyed that so much so that I did request a similar seat for later on in my training contract. I actually did the last two seats of my training contract in our industrial disease team. And I really enjoyed it and and sort of went went from there, really. And then the emerging risks interest to sort of fight from the business development work that I've been doing because that's something that clients ask us for a lot is what should we be looking out for and then just sort of through reading about these different developments in the market and looking what's happening in the US I've been able to sort of become interested in it myself so I do find it fascinating just on a, on a personal level but yeah certainly if you said to me when I was doing my LPC or when I was at university oh you're going to end up in industrial disease I wouldn't have necessarily believed you. It's just, it has sort of just gone on with what well, gone on with time, so, which is which is good, I suppose. And and certainly, you know, I think it's something for anyone that's sort of in the the legal market is to keep open minded because you don't know where the opportunities are going to to come up. When I qualified into industrial disease, there was a big spike in noise induced hearing loss claims, and um, so it was a very busy team, and there was obviously work there to be done. And so that sort of helps me persuade my firm to put me in that scene because obviously there was a a demand for us as well. So Richard, can you describe what your career path has been to get to this point? So I sort of followed the more traditional career path into law. So I did my A-levels, which are my final exams that I I did in in sixth form, which follows on from, I suppose, your equivalent of high school. And then I went to do a law degree and I studied at the University of Liverpool. So I, I did stay quite local. Uh, and then after that, I decided to study my legal practice course, my LPC, 
which is the qualification that you do after your degree if you want to go down the solicitor route. So I did that for one year. I went just up the road to Manchester, but it was a bit further away from, from Liverpool where I've <laughs> So I have stayed local. And then after that, I was successful in being given a training contract at Waitman's, which is a two-year training period where you do four six-month seats in different departments. And then at the end, you apply for jobs in wherever's available, but hopefully in something that you're interested in. And thankfully, I, I was able to get a newly qualified role in, in disease. So yeah, it's the traditional path. And at the time I did it, it was probably the main path that people did to becoming solicitors. But certainly now in, in the UK, there's a, a focus on apprenticeships now as well, where a lot of people will go straight from high school and having done their A-levels, will go and start working for a firm straight away uh, and gain their training on a job. So, so Waitman's has got quite a lot of, they're called legal apprentices, but they're 18, 19, so sort of fresh from school. And it still takes the same period of time, roughly. It's, it's still about six to eight years. But obviously, they're in the middle of a firm and, and they're learning sort of through knowledge and actually doing the job rather than going away and studying the academic side and then learning on the job what sort of the, the day-to-day role is. So um, so it was the traditional route at the time I did it, but nowadays it's, well, it's less common. Uh, still plenty of people do it, but there's there's different ways to sort of qualify nowadays um, compared to when I did it back in 2010. Well, that's really interesting because I know in the U.S., obviously, we have the you go to your under you do your undergrad, you go to law school and then you take the bar and it's Mm -hmm. a long period. But I know that there are more and more states that are looking into alternatives, uh, including some some are doing apprenticeships and things like that. So that is that is cool. And I I hope that that program works. I think there's a lot of benefit from hands on experience, which I'm assuming, you know, these uh, young professionals are getting as opposed to just solely book learning. So that's, that's neat. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what your experience has been like with Erla and YPG? So I have been going to Erla events for I think about five years now, but it was in August 2020, which I joined the YPG committee. So just joined as a, as a committee member at that point, but I was put into the sub team, which looks to arrange the education opportunities for early members. So that was August 2020, which was in the midst of the uh, delightful pandemic, which we, we remember, uh, yes, <laughs> <which> we remember <laughs> fondly. So it was very different then because a lot of our training events were removed. In some ways, it was easier to organise them because you didn't have to worry about a venue and things. But it also meant that we were quite limited with the speakers that we could could get for those events. So as well as helping to organise the events, I would uh, you know I spoke a few of them as well. But now what's quite good, and especially because towards the end of the lockdowns, people were getting a bit of Zoom fatigue. <laughs> I think people were just fed up with the uh, virt- uh, virtual events. We're now shifting back into in-person events, and that's opened up a variety of different topics that we can speak to people about. So that's really good. So that's a big change from when I first joined the committee. And I'm now actually the deputy chairman for the uh, YPG. So I'm helping sort of oversee the activities of our YPG committee overall. We've got we've just had a, a number of new members join us. And so helping them really sort of hit the ground running and, and make the most of the opportunities that we've got now that we can go back out in person and, and socialise with people. I've also 
been involved in the last two Congress events, which we have. So Earl organises an annual event called Congress, which takes place in Brighton. Uh, and so far, they haven't let us down with the weather because it's been roasting hot. So um, <laughs> that's uh, that's been good. We go to the, um, one of the largest hotels in Brighton and we filled it this last time, just gone. And everyone, pretty much most every player in the runoff market will have someone there. It's just a fantastic opportunity to meet people all under one roof. There's a number of different um, talks that are on, not just from speakers in the runoff market, but there'll be keynote speakers who will speak on you know completely random topics. So we had a, an investigative journalist came to the one in September uh, who was really interesting and then this year we had a um, a female fighter pilot you know who, who was really interesting so it, it's a really enjoyable few days but it's a, a real sort of standout in the early calendar and it's something that you know it sells out so it's a uh, tickets are uh, highly sought after so and um, so I'm involved with, with that as well so I, I enjoy going to earlier events and also helping to organize them because I think that they they do have a a place in the market and I do think that they're very well received and, and the, the fact that large events can sell out is, uh, is is indicative of that. So I'm not sure if there is the same issue in the UK as there is in the US and maybe you can shed some light on that but we here have in the US have a bit of a problem getting younger people, young professionals interested in insurance particularly in legacy issues but insurance in general. Is that the same problem in the UK? And if so, how do we attract more younger professionals? And if not, what are they doing in the UK to bring more young people in? Yeah, it's really interesting you say that, Katie, because I think that's a concern with a lot of people in in the UK as well, is sort of having that constant sort of conveyor belt of new talent coming into the market, like how we keep that going and also how we bridge the gap between the people that are maybe... Uh, towards the end of their careers, um, how do we how do, how do we get those people to? You know, it's almost like succession planning in a way. How do yep. you get that next generation of people interested and and involved? I think we're quite fortunate that we've got quite a strong committee with the other YPG. But in terms of attracting YPG people to come along to events. We don't know, we've discussed it a number of times, whether it's apprehension about going to an event where you don't necessarily know anyone. Is it the encouragement from not uh, Rock and Earl, but encouragement from the actual member firms to encourage people to go? And, and it's really something that we're trying to focus on just to try and work out what the issue is and, and how we go about resolving it. I, I think the last discussion that I attended about it was was whether we've actually still got the same number of graduates coming through from universities and colleges um, and whether there is still that interest into going into not just runoff but into insurance um, and whether that is somewhere that we can advertise more not necessarily earlier and AROC but should there be more involvement from the insurance industry and things like careers first to try and you know attract that talent at that at that point where someone is determining what career that they want to go into because I think it's easy to think of the main pro- professions for example like doctors lawyers architects and there's things there where you know as I said before about my traditional career path it it was almost because it's set out for you because you know what the next step is and there's an end goal because you qualify as a solicitor or a barrister or you know an attorney or, or, or whatever but again as I mentioned to you I didn't know that I necessarily wanted to go into insurance at that stage let alone runoff and I didn't know about it and it was only sort of over time that I became aware of that 
So whether it's more information in the market about, you know, well, this is what the insurance industry is because there's so many sort of cogs in, in the system of insurance. You know, there's a whole variety of jobs, whether it's sort of the funding of deals, whether it is the claims handling side, whether it's the, you know, acquisition of, you know, runoff books. I think maybe increasing the awareness of, of graduates is maybe something that would attract people into it at that stage. It's interesting that it's on both sides of the Atlantic. I think more information in the market and then also more encouragement of the the YPGs in various different firms, get those to go to events, because although they aren't the decision makers at this time, hopefully the idea is that in years to come, they will be. Confidence will come with experience. Do you have any advice for young professionals based on your career thus far and things that you have seen? So I think, as I said to you before about keeping an open mind, I'd say about what area you want to go into. I think too many, sometimes people can become too focused on something and they won't consider other good opportunities which come to them because they're so focused on something which they might not actually like at the end because, as I say, studying something isn't necessarily the same as working in that area. And also things can change. So just because an, an area of practice is what it is now doesn't mean it's going to be like that in a number of years so so it's best to keep an open mind and sort of following on from that I'd say if anyone comes up to you with any opportunity and you can feasibly do it I'd say take it because it's such a competitive market a lot of the opportunities that you get you have to find for yourself if you get the sort of the golden opportunity given to you to do something then then take it and, and make it work because it's so competitive there'll be plenty of other people which would happily take it and it will be not only to the benefit of your firm but for you because you will take your experience with you wherever you work and that, that's why opportunities are, are good for yourself as well as your firm. Is there anything else you'd like to discuss today? Uh, no, I, I don't think so. I think it's a great opportunity, I think, between Erla and Aerox to work like we are doing and, and sort of seeing how things are on both sides of the Atlantic. I know that we've had our successful Claims Trends Roadshow earlier in the year, and, and, and I know that we're already looking forward to the, to the next one uh, later in the year, whenever that is. So, um, so yeah, no, that's, uh, that's, that's all from me. Thanks very much, Katie, and thanks for the invite onto the, the podcast. Yeah, Richard, thank you so much. It was great having you here today and great hearing about your career and what you do with YPG. Thank you for all of your time and your insights. And with that, I'm going to cue the music and close this thing out. Thank you so much. Thanks, thanks, Casey. The Next Gen Task Force is part of AROC, the only U.S.-based nonprofit association focusing on the legacy or runoff sector of the insurance and reinsurance industries. AROC serves the industry by providing education, networking, information, and data. Learn more about what we do at www.aroc.org or contact AROC's Executive Director, Carolyn Fahey, at carolyn at aroc.org. That's A-I-R-R-O-C dot org. Thank you, and we'll see you next time.